Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! David's hand tensed in John's hair. His fingers tightened and pulled hard. Close, John, he groaned, and tried again to pull John off, afraid to come in his mouth. Reassuring fingers stroked along his hip and belly, and when David looked down, he met John's eyes. He was all he saw before the force of his orgasm closed his eyes. John stilled both hand and lips while he concentrated on swallowing until he felt the spasms ease to a gentle shudder. With a last gentle lick, he released the softening cock and rested his face against David's thigh. Breathing in the scent of sweat and cum, he reached down and gripped his own aching cock. It only took a couple of rapid, twisting strokes before he came. Neil. Yes? Neil, I have to interrupt you. But gradually, John became aware of David's fingers moving through his hair in slow caresses. Neil? Yeah? One, I don't understand a lot of what's happening right now. It's a blowjob. It is, yes. But also, I don't know... Twisting, <laughs> rapid twisting rapid strokes. Twisting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mentioned that to my roommate, and we imagined a pepper grinder. Yeah, yeah, Sort yeah, of yeah. motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to yourself, like, would yeah? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't either. I'm gonna, but um, would you like to do a podcast about that? About rapid twisting strokes. About rapid twisting strokes. Sure. This is rapid twisting strokes with Neil and Claire. <laughs> Oi, no, this is FMK Lit! Hey! Where uh, we play, uh, where, what did we do here? (laughs) (laughs) We read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. And rapid stroke twists. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So many spoilers. All the spoilers. We're going to tell you practically everything that happens in these books. Yes. So if you intend on reading them and hate having things spoiled for you... Go read them, and then come and listen to us. Yeah, just... And we'll have a discussion. You're allowed to just scream at the podcast if you disagree with us. Totally. It's fine. Yeah, because we can't hear you. (laughs) I was going to say because we're supportive. Oh, right. We're also that. Both of those things are true. I'm always supportive of people (laughs) who are saying things about me far away that I will never know. (laughs) Do that. I support you. (laughs) Great. Claire, yeah. what did we read today? Okay, so for today, we read two books. We read mm-hmm. Bookends by Jane Green, mm-hmm. and we also read A Note in the Margins by Isabel Rowan. Mm-hmm. So what um, was the theme? The theme is bookshops. Yay. I fucking love bookshops. I fucking love bookshops. <laughs> I love them so much. Uh, there's a bookshop near my house that I adore completely. It moved in after the um, the video store closed down. Mm-hmm. And I am a lover... Is this your hot and bothered, or is this just a... This is side note. Great. I'll be very quick. I sure. loved that video store so much, and I get uh-huh. it. I know why it went out of business. It absolutely wasn't going to be competitive yeah. with things like Netflix. Because it wasn't... Yeah. And then on top of that, it was like really obscure foreign films. Right. It was... And it was kind of a... probably all on the internet now. But I loved... Loved this shop. Yeah, sure. And the first time I stepped into that bookstore, I loved that bookstore. I loved it with my whole self. Oh, it's such a good bookstore. I loved 
and I walked in and I went to the section that used to be documentaries and was now like not like nonfiction books. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud. But then I missed the other store so much I started crying and had to leave. But <laughs> mm, that's such a clear moment. Such a clear moment. But I love bookstores. Oh. You and I thought about opening up a bookstore once. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of why I picked these. Great. So we know what it would have been like if we had done. Uh, yes. Because if this is any indication, I'm real glad we didn't. Good Lord. Good Lord. But first, Claya. Yeah. What's got you hot and bothered? My own decision-making process. Fair. <laughs> Good way? Bad way? Oh, both bad ways? way. Oh, no. Okay, so a couple of things. One, I think I had stated as a New Year's resolution, I wanted to try to branch out reading-wise, and mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure, one, that we were... Starting next week, we're only reading books about economics. Only. <laughs> this is for Oh, Christine's excited about that. I would be so upset. This is uh, Romance for Economics Radio. <laughs> oh, oh, that would probably be super interesting. Honestly, yeah. Oh. Somebody else do that. Somebody who's smarter than us, please do that podcast. Oh, my God. Anyway, but so a couple of things. Uh, both these books are things that I I wouldn't have meant to pick if I I read closer before picking them. Mm-hmm. One of them, the LGBTQ plus book, which mm-hmm. is a note in the margins, was for all purposes looks like it was written by a straight lady. Mm-hmm. And I was trying really hard to not pick those books anymore. And yeah. obviously I didn't try hard enough. Right. I don't know if she's straight if she thinks that you need to do rapid twisting motions on a penis. I, I honestly... She could just be a terrible writer. But um, but the only thing I know is, like, that's not what I wanted to do. And I feel bad about that. Second of all, Bookends is not a romance novel. It is a 90s chiclet. And, it is. And yeah. I don't, I, I don't, and have never used chiclet in a derogatory way. I've never felt that way. Like, mm-hmm. this is, these are books written uh, by women, for women, mm-hmm. strong women main characters, mm-hmm. and about their lives. I've never yeah. felt that this was a bad thing to have out there. No. Or, or that they weren't good. And I think a lot of really good books have come out of it and a lot of great stories. This is not one of them. And also, I genuinely thought this was going to be a romance. There is a romance subplot. Yes. Like the D plot, maybe? Yeah, but then honestly, kind well, of. Well, and then there's the. The way it was described in the synopsis, mm-hmm. I thought it was a romance. Great. Great. I'm excited. Anyway, <laughs> my own decision making has me bothered. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, me too. I feel a mess. That's fair. Ugh. Um, Back to mermaids. Yes. <laughs> Next should be like unicorns or something. Or fairies. Well, we haven't done fairies yet. We haven't done fairies yet. That is a market we should tear up. All right. Anyway, Neil, hot and bothered. Uh, mine is a two-part. The first part is real fast because I teased our audiences last time that I would tell a story about a time that I almost hooked up with a guy at a bookshop. Almost, almost as generous. Um, so there was this guy that I... We took a class... Nope. I took a class at a community college while I was still in high school. And I became friends with a couple people in my class. And this one girl in my class that I was friends with, who was very sweet and gorgeous. It was no fair. Um, But she was also very nice and very intelligent, whatever. So she introduced me to a friend of hers from another class, who was this, like, cute gay guy. And so we started hanging out. 
Um, we hung out a couple times, and on one time we hung out, we were walking around downtown in my hometown to like the little boutique stores and whatnot. And we walked into this bookshop, and it was like it was like eight o'clock on a Tuesday, so I think we were the only people in there other than the owner. And we went sort of like into a little cornery bit that was out of view of the front desk where the owner was. And there was a lot of like low talking and a lot of like standing close to each other. And I was like, oh my God, he's gonna kiss me in this bookstore and like all my nerd fantasies will come, not all my nerd fantasies, my like bookstore nerd fantasies will come true. My nerd fantasies coming true will be getting my Hogwarts letter, let me tell you. <laughs> um, still waiting. Um, so, but it wasn't until, and then nothing happened. It wasn't until later that he was like, why didn't you make out with me in the bookstore? <gasps> Damn it! I'm never good at making the first move, so like it was doomed to doomed from the start. Oh, Ugh. this is a sad story. It's my life. Yeah, I in high school uh, had a huge crush on a guy who worked at a bookstore, and <gasps> he was a tall mm-hmm. redhead, mm-hmm. and I handed him my number, mm-hmm. and he did not call Aww. me. Oh, I. One of my very first classes in college, it was a Shakespeare class in the English department, and there was this guy in my class who was gorgeous. And I don't know how. I think I think on the first day, because you know, it's college seating in college is so weird because like you pick your own seats, but you just always sit there every single yeah. class. It's so anyway. I think he was sitting already, and I like just decided to sit behind him because I was like, "I'm a college freshman. I'm away from home. The world is my oyster." And then I didn't <laughs> sit talk behind to the hot guy. <laughs> I didn't I'll sit behind the hot guy. I didn't talk to him for like two weeks or whatever. But then we started chatting. We became like friendly. And then I found that that he worked at the Borders next to campus, and it's just like, "I want you to fuck me so bad." Nothing happened. I'm pretty sure he was straight. Yeah, my uh, most of my. Love life history is shoulda, coulda, woulda. Aww. Well, shall we read these books? Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see the first book. Mm-hmm. A Note in the Margin by Isabel Rowan. John McCann, a man who judges life by the tally of accounts in a ledger. Oh, by the way, listeners, this one's long. <laughs> You're welcome to listen. You're also welcome to hit the fast forward button. Sure or the double talk button. Ooh. The double speed one. Ooh, yes. Let's, let me say it fast. Let me see if I'll just say it fast. And just say it fast. <laughs> John McCann, a man who, who judges... Uh, obviously not. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I hope you are skipped. Um, <laughs> but he's encountered one problem. The migraines are going to continue and get worse unless you make some major changes in your lifestyle, says the doctor. What you need is a sea change. Perhaps buy a nice little business in the country. Settle down. Something easier to occupy your time. While John knows the doctor is right, he can't resign from the job he's fought so hard for. He decides to sacrifice. Uh, he decides the sacrifice of taking a year's leave of absence won't interfere too much with his plans, and so he finds himself running Margins, a cozy little bookstore with the help of the former owner's son, Jamie. John expects to put in his year and get his stress under control and then get back to business. What John doesn't expect is how margins and its denizens draw him in, particularly the quiet, disheveled man who takes refuge in the old leather chair in the second-hand corner of the book section. 
John's plans for an unattached year of simple business crumble when he meets David and is forced to reevaluate life, love, and what he really wants from both. John and David are forced to come to terms with their plan with their past and to struggle and determine what the possible future may build together. That's what the book says it's mm-hmm. about. Neil. Yes. What is the book about? Also, we should say our names as much as possible because okay, every Claire. other sentence in this book included one of their names. Oh. And every time they talked, Neil, they had to say each other's names. Christine, I'm not kidding, Neil. All the time. Claire, I agree with you. Christine, it's a it's a burden this book. I swear to you, Christine and Claire. <laughs> If you guys were a power couple, you'd be Claire Steen. And I love it. Also, the perspective changed so rapidly. Yeah. Like, between paragraphs. It was disconcerting. It was so disconcerting. Anyway, okay. First and foremost, this... There was only one time they didn't say each other's names. It was one of the most important times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying. Are you? Yes. I'll be dead tomorrow. I love you. The end. I don't... It was something like that. And I was like... That didn't actually happen. I genuinely don't know who said what. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Great. Okay. First and foremost, this book takes place in Australia. Yes. Uh, that's the Australian accent. Australia. <laughs> um, so just imagine I'm doing a flawless Australian accent every time I'm pretending to be one of the characters. Yes. I can only do like two things in Australian and I'm not even going to. Um, but our main character, John, is from... England. He's from outside of Leeds, and apparently that's a sore spot for him. Okay, so the book begins. He has just purchased a bookstore called Margins. Yeah, but he's like temporarily purchased. Yeah, like he he's leasing it. Yeah, I guess he's leasing the business. I don't know. So maybe they don't own the space. I don't understand the no, ins and outs of it. I feel like maybe the main owner wanted to take a vacation too, but she wanted to take a real vacation. Well, no, she was going back to England to live with her sister. Right. But then she showed up again at the end. So was it temporary? Yes. Me? Was it just until Jamie could take over? I have no idea. <sighs> Who does this? How does this, like... Ugh. Okay, so John has been told by his doctor... That his stress migraines will go away if he moves out to the country and runs a small business. <laughs> like, that's, that's not easy. stressful at all. It's soups easy to run a bookstore. Or any small business. Oh, yeah. I have several. I'm running five small businesses right now, and it's <laughs> making me sleep better. <laughs> anyway, so he's taking over this bookshop margins because the owner wants to go back to England to live with her sister, I guess. Her husband has passed away, but she still has a son who's in Australia, so I don't understand what she wants. Whatever. Um, so he's taking over the bookstore, and then... Yeah, because she's gone because he's staying in her apartment, yeah. which is right above the bookstore. Yeah. Moved um, out her furniture, too. Like, her furniture's all stayed there, and he just moved Yeah. It some of it he's put away in the extra bedroom. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so he is like, oh, great. Uh, her son, Jamie. The fact that they're John and Jamie. I'm just like, oh, God, so many J names. Um... Jamie's still working there, so ostensibly he's going to, like, show him the ropes, but he's still just, like, a regular employee, whereas John's the manager, slash temporary owner, whatever. Um, They hang out, they, like, run the bookstore for a day, and then they go home and fuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck your employees, John. That's a terrible idea. Terrible business. Also, he is... <laughs> terrible business strategy. Um, John is a greedy top. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. We find out We find out later in the book, he's like, oh, I never took the time to pay attention to other men's penises. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't even look at them. He's just like, suck it. Bend over. Great. We're done. Bye. Yep. He's a greedy top and I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> he learns to... Uh, love fixes him so he doesn't do it anymore. Whatever. I, as soon as like I was finished, like partway through the book, I was like, this is a love fixes things book. Neil hates this mm-hmm. book. <laughs> oh, so, so he has this girlfriend, I guess. Oh, he's got a beard. Well, no, because he says he's bi. Do they have sex? I think they do. Oh. He says he's But it's bi. probably not good. I doubt he's ever gone down on her. No. So obviously she's, she, I, I'd bet you anything. She's like, he takes me out to nice dinners and like, he gets me off sometimes. And like, that's what I need every four months or whatever. Yeah. And it sounded like it wasn't like really, I don't know. It didn't sound like he was really bi. He was just like, this is his cover and he's happy to have sex as a cover. Right. I don't know. And it was, he it wasn't was, out at work. He, but he said openly bisexual. So I think he's bi. Anyway, he calls it a relationship of convenience. But I don't know how it's convenient. Again, like, I wasn't sure, like, he was out at work in any capacity. No, he wasn't. But he did say, like, oh, and, like, once you hit a certain level on the executive ladder, being openly bisexual is a ding against you. Right. So that's, I guess that's why he kept Marion around? I really don't know. Whatever. She wasn't getting anything out of the relationship, except for, like... Nice dinners and probably mediocre sex. Yeah, well, if, well, if she was anything like John, that's all she really needed. <laughs> right. And you know what? Good for her. I got the sense that she traveled a lot, too. So it was sort yeah. of like when she was in town kind of thing. Oh, that'd be all right. A home fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good for her. <laughs> I, I think she's the underdog of this story. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so John and Jamie fuck. Um, and then we find out that Jamie's like the most emotionally mature person ever. Yeah. And even though he seems very, like, it led me to believe that he looked really twinky. Mm-hmm. And, like, you would expect someone like that to be really vapid. And he's very bubbly, but he's also, like, very observant and understands people. Yeah. And, like, he knows the ins and outs of the regulars and, and all that Like, stuff. it was one of my favorite things. Like, he's like, you know, John, you can stay like, after they have sex. And John's like, no, I'm leaving. And no, James, I'm good. And Jamie's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, Jamie was like, maybe you should try having sex with try having sex with some, or try not having sex with someone that you're not in love with, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, eh, whatever, it's fine. I got a good fuck out of it. Uh, mediocre at best, I'm sure. Did Jamie even get, oh, Jamie had to get himself off. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, we've spent too much time on... Anyway, um, so then the next day, um, a homeless man comes in and goes to the used book section and just, like, hangs out. And then John's like, Oh, profits! Ah!" So why he's trying to make money off of this, like, tiny little bookshop, I don't even know. And honestly, like, the first thing Jamie says is, we do really well here. Like, 
we're the only bookshop. People love us. They come in all the time. Like our, um, we make a profit at the end yeah, of every day. Like, like there's a, a book club of like older women that come in regularly, and and even John is like, oh yeah, this shop does fine. Yeah, like they don't have computers, and that doesn't seem to matter. They, they don't. They you have so many used books. They don't need to regularly order other books, but they do sometimes. Yeah. Like, it actually does seem like running this particular business is soups easy. Right. And um, Jamie's doing all the hard work anyway. Yeah, basically. Um, so this homeless guy comes in and, and John's all like, fruh, 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 fruh. and Jamie's like, okay, so no, here's the thing. He comes in every day for a few hours and he either reads one of the secondhand books or he like sketches in a sketch pad and like, my mom saw him outside on the street one day looking in and she invited him in and he's obviously like very reluctant to interact with people. So we just sort of like have slowly built a trust where he just comes in to like spend time in from out of the out of the weather. And it's becoming winter time in the book. Which of course I had to be like, uh, July is winter. Okay. Because um, it's backwards down there. Right. And when they talked about uh, Christmas and it was like so hot outside, it was like, right, 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 right. Right, you're right. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, yes. Um, so John's kind of like, oh, well, I'll do something next time. And he doesn't. He continues to not do anything. And just, we find out that the homeless man's name is David, that he sort of just like lets David in. And, um, you know, he'll, like, he has a special bookmark, so whenever he's reading a book, it's not technically for sale, and, like, sometimes he'll, like, buy more sketch pads, because he likes to do sketching and whatnot. Um, and then they sort of, like, J- Jamie's like, okay, well, I need to make John and David comfortable with each other, because for the next year, they're going to be seeing each other every day, so, sure. So they sort of, like, say hi to each other, whatever. And then, um... John manages to see David um, prostituting himself at a public bathroom Mm -hmm. because he is in a very terrible situation and needs a way to make money. And, and, hey, guess how John reacts to it? Oh, um, with ex- open acceptance and understanding of other people's lives and mm-hmm. sexual needs. And, and concern also, for David's health and well-being. Yes, yeah. yes. And also, but with, like, with the knowledge that other adults may possibly know how to, you know, deal with their own lives. And that just because you saw a public sex act, that doesn't mean it was any of your business. No, none of that happens. Crap. John uh, calls him a whore and throws his money back at him. Like, literally throws the money back at him. And won't let him buy a sketchbook. Yeah. So then David leaves. And Jamie was like, don't do that, bro. What the fuck is wrong with you? I know. So I'm just going to skip a bit. It's the beginning of a beautiful love story. (laughs) Well, yeah. How many times has the man called a woman a whore and they ended up in love? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to skip a bunch of the middle part because it's just like John convinces David to open up. David gets scared and runs and then they have to go find him like out on the street kind of thing. That happens like 30 times. Eventually, John convinces David to like stay in his apartment with him. They have sex. And the first time they have sex, David says very explicitly, you should wear a condom because I don't know if I'm safe. Yeah. Because he has had to have sex with strangers. 
Yeah. In a situation that he can cannot he cannot control at all. Yeah. And it see we hear stories about the sort of people his you know his Johns and they don't seem like the sort of people that would care about giving an STI to a sex worker. Right. So David is very smart and be like, Ugh. and John's like, okay, puts the condom on, goes to town, and then somebody has to remind him. He'd take him to a doctor. Yeah. Like months later, they're like, hey, you should take D- David to go see a doctor and get tested. And John's like, oh yeah, I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> Fuck off, John. Can't also, John, you should also get tested. Also, John should also get tested. Also, should be regularly getting tested. Right? Did anybody ask Jamie? <laughs> I don't know. No. No. Like, uh, honestly. I think everyone just assumes that Jamie knows what he's doing and he's right. getting tested which regularly. Is, which is, uh, which I agree with. The problem is the way that uh, our man John is acting, the way he acts around gay men he just meets, I'm assuming that he just has the go home and fucking never see again a lot. Oh, probably. Uh, so, honestly, so also high risk behavior. Yeah, 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 Jamie needs to get tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oi. Um, so, the long and short of it is that David moves in with John and works at the bookstore, sort of. Right. So... And then they're in love. So now David is entirely dependent on John for a place to live, money, emotional support. I found it all very icky. I did too. Um, Except every so often David goes back to the shelter that he used to go to sometimes. And one of the employees, Barbara, who was great. Barbara's great. But the only thing about that is obviously Barbara is very good at her job of running a homeless shelter. And obviously she has some training in, like, how to interact with uh, people who may be suffering from mental illness or, like, emotional issues or things like that. But he basically starts going to her for therapy, and I don't think she's really a therapist. No, I feel like she's a counselor. Maybe. And that I think that... Well, I'm going to have to say a couple things. One, okay. I think the Australian system may be a little different. Right. Two, I think she was some sort of certified counselor. Okay. I think that that's... It just, it led, like, maybe I was just assuming the sort of decisions that she makes. It led me to believe that she was an administrator. And, like, I would imagine that that person might have some training but isn't necessarily a certified counselor it kind of felt like she was both probably either way she was very good at her job yeah i mean she was the one that had to remind job like hey guys go get tested yeah oh yeah thanks barbara (laughs) so i was like here are cookies and tea everyone drinks so much goddamn tea in this so much tea this is like tea i mean it's a it's a brit living in australia yeah but i I mean there's a shit ton of tea in this and jamie's mom is british so it would make sense that he always wants tea so much tea so much i did appreciate though that one point david was like i want to make coffee and then he goes in there and nobody knows how to make it. <laughs> and then nobody drank it. Nobody drank it. <laughs> um, so then, finally, they take David to go get tested. Uh-huh. And he was he was convinced that he was HIV positive and that John was going to kick him out and all this horrible stuff. And then John was like, you know, I know it's a strong possibility, but, like, we'll we'll work through it together. Turns out he just had anemia. Yeah, he's fine. Like, that kind of bothered me. I was honestly like, no, he'd have something. He'd have something. He told the story about one of, I don't want to say customers, but somebody who 
enlisted his services as a sex worker, um, fucked him, refused to wear a condom, and made a joke about how he had an STI and he was giving it to David. Yeah. And then David had, like, it... uh, I know that these romance novels are meant, like, obviously they're happy endings, but it's just like, everything just worked out, quote, perfectly. Yeah. In a way, I'm like, really, he doesn't, he doesn't even have, like chlamydia need to take antibiotics like nothing it's like oh we were worried for nothing now he just needs to eat some steak and get over his anemia yeah he would have some something something even like if it was one of the easier to treat right and i feel like it would have been more interesting if he was hiv positive and they had to have that conversation herpes oh yeah 100 percent herpes absolutely some sort of like other just general infection right because really through this book john doesn't have any any struggle whatsoever whatsoever, other than he's in love with this man who's going through like mental and emotional issues and he has to learn to be patient with that he has to learn for the first time in his life that he can't just like get whatever he wants right away i'm like no it would have been so much more interesting if david were hiv positive and that's a conversation and then that's also the book telling us like people who are hiv positive also deserve a happily ever after also deserve love yeah and also that's a struggle also that brings a lot of shame but also that's it's also still not their fault right (laughs) anyway um and then we find out that david has a son that oh he but he wanted to go see him on his birthday so then he like you know went to the public bathroom again so he could afford bus fare to go like watch his son from across the way and blah 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 and then i think that time John was mad, but, like, a little more understanding. Or maybe I just wanted him to be... No, he was more understanding. Like, I think one of... There was a lot of parts of this book I was really pissed off at. Yeah. Um, And I would have to say a lot of it also felt like best-case scenario homelessness. Yeah. Like, because there's... But I will say one of the things I liked was David's inability to communicate uh, basic feelings and needs. Mm -hmm. And... That that continued. That was never solved. That was... I mean, it got better. It got better, but but, it was obviously a work in progress. And it was a daily struggle. Right, right, right. And that it wasn't something Mm -hmm. that was easily overcomable. And I liked that. I also appreciated that Barbara said this and that this was true, that there was a chronic homelessness. Yeah. That he felt more comfortable in the street. It felt like, even though it was a dangerous place, he knew what was happening and it Mm -hmm. felt safe Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So he'd prefer to be out there. Yeah. And, And so... And like, and John's reaction to it, which I also thought was great, that he felt like he was, he loved this person, he's putting all this work into this person, and he just wanted the person to stay. Like, you don't have to love me, mm-hmm. you don't have to do all this, mm-hmm. why are you running away from me? Right. And that at that time, when he knew that, uh, then he knew that David had, you know, done the public toilet thing and had gone away, like, he was hurt, but mm-hmm. mostly because of all the energy and emotional energy he was putting into this. Right, right, right. And, and I, it, yeah, it was it was more of him thinking, like, why... Like, I wish David trusted me enough to know that he could just ask me for the money. Right. Kind of thing. And the part with the backpack I really liked, like, did, John bought David, like, new clothes and everything, and then John, with his money from the... Um, from working at the bookstore buys a backpack, like, replaces his bag that he had. He buys a backpack and, like, keeps his stuff in it so that at a moment's notice he could just leave. Yeah. And that's really hurtful to John, but he's like, I know that he needs this, so I'm not going to talk about it. 
I'm just gonna... And even, but, at, and and, even at the end of the book, mm-hmm. that was still there. Like, he right. mentions that. He says, he still has that backpack, mm-hmm. and I saw that he had half-eaten food in there that mm-hmm. he's saving. And Jamie's like, that may be forever. Yeah. And every time John would come home and the apartment would be empty, he would he- listen for a noise and then check to see if the backpack was there. Yep. And that part I, I enjoyed. And, and that showed that John was, like, sort of learning to be a more understanding human being. Um, also, I, I kind of enjoyed the plot line with the son, um, Adam, because he... Somehow, whatever, John ends up talking to him and is basically like, your dad's not ready to talk to you. Because, of course, David is very ashamed right. for his son to see sort of quote what he's become and what he's done. Um, so John becomes sort of a proxy for Adam and David to talk to each other. And John is like, your dad just needs time. Like, he loves you very deeply. I'm sure you will be able to talk to him. It's not because of you. It's because of him. And, like, this is just what he needs right now. And Adam's like, this is really frustrating because I, like, I need him to be my dad right now. But okay. Like, everyone is like, okay, we just got to work through this. And then eventually they do. I feel like that got resolved quicker than would be realistic. No, I I do, do too. But it's because they're bound to this year timeline. Right. Because, like, John's got to make some decision at the end of the year when his lease... The lease uh, of the bookstore the or the, the bookstore apartment runs or up whatever. Or whatever, and he's going to go back to work. Like, there's, like, decision-making has to happen. So in that year, he has to meet and fall in love with a homeless person mm-hmm. and change both of their lives. Yeah. Like, that's what has to happen. And now we run into the parts of the book that were terrible. Yeah. Um, like, uh, we could talk about, and we've talked about it before, sort of, like, the tourism of a privileged lady mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, writing outside of her experience, but as if it is her experience. Right. Um, there's that. We can talk about that, but I think specifically to the homelessness. That's all we need to talk about. <laughs> but I think it's it's the homelessness. Yeah. In here, like it's like outside of like the gay relationship and the gay sex, like it's the homelessness. Mm-hmm. I don't think I I don't know if this lady's experienced it. I don't know if she's been a counselor for that. But like David's homelessness, I didn't understand. Like I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like there was a huge problem that happened. Literally, all the book said was that one day he just left home. Yeah. And that then he lived on the streets. That was the end of that story. That was the beginning and the end of it. And I... And, and like, and he talks about mental blocks. And he talks about not being able to put things together. And I'm like, that sounds like a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh... Do we need medic meds? Like Yeah, he also has like PTSD episodes. Right. But all of that too, those PTSD episodes though, are from his time on the street. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. And not that not not that I need all homelessness explained mm-hmm. through something having to have happened. Except I need this homelessness explained through that because something did happen and it has to be so like his story has to be specific Mm -hmm. his story other people's can be like lots of different things but i'm reading his story yeah um uh, and that that was endlessly frustrating and it was like we get so specific about other details about john's life 
mm-hmm. and like why John left home. Mm-hmm. And it was very much meant to be like like here like we're putting these two up against against each other. John left because he was gay. He didn't think his family was going to accept it and he wanted to start his life all over. His his mom walked out when he was really young. Yeah. And then his dad did a little bit later. He was raised by his grandparents. Blah, blah. Right. So that was interesting because when he was with Adam, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I know what you're going through. Yeah. But but then also, like, whatever. But that it's wasn't fine. David's experience. And that wasn't no. why David walked out. David didn't walk out because he was gay and his wife didn't know it. He says he thinks his wife knew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he didn't walk out of that marriage because he was upset that he'd never be able to take care of his son. He knew he could take care of his son. I didn't... I, I didn't understand. Yeah. So, that was yeah, frustrating. They, he obviously had a very great relationship with his son yeah. before he left. So, it, just didn't, it was just like, oh, he left. Yeah. And I'm sure that happens. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's just, like... You know, something, some switch flips in someone and they just, like, can't deal with their lives all of a sudden. And somebody thinks the way to do that is just leave. But, like, narratively speaking, like, we want a little more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, no. I real fast want to bring up Adele. Uh-huh. Who's one of the regulars at the shop. And when there's one of the 30 times that they figure out that David has disappeared, Jamie turns to her and is like, run the store for me while I'm gone. And she's like, I was in retail for 40 years. I could run the store better than you. She just stands behind the counter. Yeah, when that happened, I was like, why did we need this? <laughs> I just I just wanted to bring her up because she's a sassy old lady and I love she her. She was a sassy old lady. I also enjoyed that there was, that means there was three competent ladies in this. Uh, his mom, Jamie's mom, uh, uh-huh. uh, Barbara, Barbara, and, and Adele. Adele. And Marion. Marion. So, seems really, oh. I think she and, uh, John worked together. Yeah. She, she's obviously good at her job. Yeah. Yeah, all the ladies are just like, no, I know what to do. I yeah. know what's going on. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> uh, bye. Okay. Oh, um, Adam and David become reunited. Do they get married? They stayed together. They stayed together. Oh, uh, gay marriage wasn't legal legal in Australia when this book was written. So they're like, oh, if only we could get married. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The end. That is the end. It was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a trudge to get through. It was. Um, I think like, again, they said their names every single sentence, every time they talked to each other. Mm -hmm. John, you have to do this. Davey, you need this. Davey, 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 Davey. Also, I mentioned this briefly, like the, the perspective, because it was a, a third person narrator. But the perspective of whose head we were in would change between paragraphs, sometimes within paragraphs. Uh-huh. And then there'd be like little breaks in the scene, but there wasn't. The only way you could tell that is that all of a sudden the first word of the next paragraph would be like a little bit larger. So sometimes it's just like, oh, they were at the bookstore and this and this. The sound of the airplane taking off. I was like, oh, do planes fly over the bookstore? Oh, no, somebody somebody else is on a plane now. Yeah, no, we have to, like, oh, I remember the part. So there's a part, there's this brief moment. It's there in the bookstore. Something has happened. And then somebody speaks Spanish to somebody else. And somebody looks at the other person and goes, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. And the other person goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's the end of that chapter. Also, I don't know who said what when. 
That is the only time in this book and they didn't tag any of that with names. I don't know who spoke Spanish. I don't know why. I think it was David. Was it? <laughs> no say. I think it was David too. Like, cause that's who would surprise us. Who right, spoke right, right. Spanish. Like, honestly, like it was to show us that David knows other things. Look, it's a homeless guy who can speak another language and is also a very good artist. Right. All of those things. Like, that's what. That's what. Like. It was supposed to be about You're and i right. know that but it was the only time they didn't tag it so right like, and that was the only time he spoke spanish it yeah. didn't come up later at it all. wasn't important no nope. and we got none of david's life really outside of his homelessness no nope. and his child not like when did he start doing art and why what was his job previously where is like, he from did he have a job where was he from what how, was his homeland how long was he his home life how did he meet up? his wife any of this nope nope, nope because what's important is he's homeless what did he want to do with his life when he was younger his homelessness fixes John. And John fixes David's homelessness. Well, barely. But it's still, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Okay, we're done. We're done. Hey, listeners of FMK Lit. Are you dying to talk about your menstrual cycle? Do you want to share the pain of period cramps? Are you constantly imitating the sound your menstrual cup makes when you take it out of your vagina? Like this? Wow. That's the one. Wouldn't it be nice to have more people to talk to about all that stuff? Well, now you do. Check out Vicious Cycle, the podcast about periods and the people who get them. It's like a gossipy sleepover with your three new best friends, Meg, Kate, and Meg. That's us. We are here to demystify, bitch about, and laugh at our periods. We do research, interview fellow bleeders, and we make up dumb songs all about menstruation. So check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And remember, keep calm and bleed everywhere. Bookends, a novel by Jane Green. Listeners, this description is also kind of long, so feel free to skip ahead. British sensation Jane Green delivers a sparkling tale of old friends reunited and old jealousies rekindled. Catherine Warner and Simon Nelson are best friends. Total opposites, always together and both unlucky in love. Kath is scatterbrained, messy, and, since she had her heart broken a few years back, emotionally closed off. Sai is impossibly tidy, bitchy, and desperate for a man of his own. We're just going to leave that for a second. They live in London's West Hampstead, along with their lifelong friends Josh and Lucy, who are happily married with a devil-spawn child and a terrifying Swedish nanny, Ingrid. All's well, sort of, until the sudden arrival of a college friend, the stunningly beautiful Portia, who's known for breaking hearts. Though they've grown up and grown apart from Portia, the four friends welcome her back into the fold. But does Portia have a hidden agenda, or is she merely looking to reconnect with old friends? Her her reappearance soon unleashes a rollicking series of events that test the foursome's friendships to the limit and leaves them wondering if a happy ending is in store. Fortunately, Kath has plenty to take her mind off Portia's schemes, like her gutsy decision to leave her job in advertising to fulfill her dream of opening a bookstore. And then there's James, the sexy real estate agent who keeps dropping by even after the bookstore deal is done. With his irresistible smile and boyish charm, could he be the one to melt Kath's heart? Told with Jane Green's capacity... Captivating wit and flair, bookends is above all a story about friendship. It's twists, turns, and complications, and how it weathers the challenges of love, ambition, marriage, and, most of all, growing up. 
Warm-hearted, sophisticated, and full of delicious surprises, bookends its Green's most dazzling novel yet. That's what it says. Ugh. Claire, is any of that true? I mean, those things happen. <laughs> Whatever. So, this book... Okay, let's say you're at the trailhead of a long hike. Mm-hmm. And there's a little map that mm-hmm. says, here's here's the round trail. Mm-hmm. Um, please take this path and um, enjoy your hike. Mm-hmm. And you start off, and then this bitch named Kathy runs up behind you <laughs> and just starts pushing you through the woods at random. And she's like, take your hand to go, no, we're going this direction. Now we're going this one. And then she pushes you into the lake. Then she saves you. And then you run around. Finally, at the end of the trailhead, you're pushed out. And you... Don't remember where your car is because she's stolen it. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That was the experience of reading this book. Okay, so. This bitch named Kathy. In. Most books where it's the woman protagonist who's going through some sort of woman protagonist um, problem, Mm -hmm. uh, in general, like, she's single. She's been single for a long time. She doesn't, in general, know why. She's got lots of friends who are around her. She overcomes some sort of obstacle. Usually Mm -hmm. that obstacle is within herself, and it's a little bit of self-esteem stuff. Yeah. A little bit of coming to terms. In her defense, we do hear about she was sort of in a relationship with this guy who was obviously, obviously manipulative, and then she she found out later that he was married. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't feel good about that. Right. And that's embittered her towards love. Right, yes. And that is also true in a lot of these books. Yeah, like, yeah. So they're embittered towards love in some some way for some reason. Right. And then... I just felt this story was a bit more flushed out than we usually get. Yes. Well, yeah. and I would say that that's true of most... Um, chiclet books as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that they are, like, fully fleshed out characters. Yeah. Uh, the friends are fully fleshed out as people. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just, like, side characters like they are or most romance devices. novels or plot devices. Yeah. Like, it's a whole world. Just, like, you know, because a romance novel is about the romance. No mm-hmm. matter what else is happening, the the mystery, the whatever, is a vehicle for the romance mm-hmm. and for the fantasy of that romance. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the, these other sort of literature books are very much about... Here's a slice of life and this woman's Mm -hmm. slice of life and how she overcomes some sort of problem Mm -hmm. and modern girl living in In somewhere somewhere between the 80s and now, like, you know, and and how she overcomes those things Mm -hmm. and that she stays basically who she is because Mm. unlike romance novels, often it is about changing that core Mm -hmm. for love so that you can love. But that these are very much about that love is introduced into your life. Mm -hmm. You're not introduced into the love's life. Mm -hmm. And you overcome a problem and that love, it's not a reward to you having overcome it. It's just part of you growing up. Mm -hmm. So, and along those beats, I think this book does that. Yeah. Those beats are true. Um, And of course, since the romance is not the main story, the guy is not... A main character he's barely a side character the romance is very much like you said a d plot mm-hmm. like this is he's pretty and he paints real good yeah 
So it's, both of these books have pretty artists as well as interests. Among <laughs> other things. So like <laughs> it's not the most important part. So that's it's not a romance. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah. this isn't a romance book. And if I'd kind of sensed that better from the synopsis, I wouldn't have picked it. The reason I usually like I end up I pick I like I'm able to figure out which ones are those kind of books versus romances is usually those other kinds of books don't end on the romance in the synopsis. Yeah, like the romance is right. kind of in the middle there. And this in felt like in the synopsis yeah. that all of that was background. To leading up to. To opening the bookstore, falling in love with the real estate agent, mm-hmm. and then... James. Right, and then figuring out the rest of your life. Beautiful James. So, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. This book covers from her college days all the way up to her early 30s. Mm-hmm. And her close-knit group of friends... Um, and I would have to say, as far as protagonists go, I would have rather read Lucy or Portia. Yeah. Both women were much more interesting. Yes. Had a lot more interesting problems. Yes. Like, our main character... She didn't have any problems. Any problems at all. All of the problems were happening around her. No, and a lot of them and she were... was invested because they were about people that she cared about. Right. But, like... And a lot of them were prescribed problems. She kind of problems. made Simon's problem her problem. She, and we can get into that She later. did. She did. But I would have to say, like, um, everybody was all about, all the time, uh, her meeting somebody and romancing yeah, everybody somebody. Everybody was trying to set her up And constantly. honestly, her re- reasons for not wanting to be with anybody were reasonable. She's like, I right. just don't feel like it right now. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I'm fine. Like, like, if it happens, great. If not, I'll be fine. And everyone's like, no, Kath, you're a dumb idiot. And she seemed perfectly happy in her life, by the way. Like, yeah, she'd I, go home, do whatever the fuck she wanted to. Her apartment was disgusting, though. Yeah, well, right, but she was happy in it, so... Yeah, I don't like, want if, that for her, though. She well, might get botulism. True, but I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> if it were a problem mm-hmm. and causing problems in her life, right? then it would be a character flaw, right. the, but it wasn't, because... Right. The sorts of things that most people get out of a romantic relationship, she was getting from her friends. Yes. Yeah. So, like, she had those things in her life, and she's like, I'm good, and everyone's like, no, you're not, Kath. Yeah. Why are you so jaded? Why are you so closed <sighs> off? Kath, what's wrong with you? So... Because nobody believes someone when they say, like... I don't need a relationship. Right. And things that were really, really, truly upsetting was Kathy judged everybody by their looks first, fourth, and last. Yeah. Like, every single time that this a character was described, it was very much based on their looks. And if mm-hmm. they were not good looking, they were written off. Yeah. And it was very strange. Ugh. And just like you were saying about... The books last time it was like here's a woman but mm-hmm. like this is her character description but here's this great thing about her but more importantly she's a whore right she's dumb or whatever but in this book uh they were described by their beauty and if they weren't beautiful they weren't really worth spending time with the exception to that was lucy who was uh, a little bit rounder, maybe? She was a little curvy. And a little short. I was and picturing... despite that, we're all very surprised she's a good person. I know. I was picturing um, Olivia Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um, or, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, it was just like, oh my god, and everybody's saying all the time how surprised they are about Lucy. As a person right? who exists. Right. <laughs> like, Wait, but she's not the most attractive person. Why is she so nice? Why is she so... She's a bit plumper. Why is she so good at cooking? Right. 
Why is she such a good loving mother? Also, oh my god. Oh my god, their rich people problems drove me fucking crazy. So many rich people problems. If, if I got a dollar for every time they complained about their au pair, <laughs> fucking god, I could buy a bookstore. I don't care about the au pair. I honestly don't. No. She doesn't seem especially pleasant. Also, wasn't Lucy a stay-at-home mom at the beginning? Yeah. Why did she need an au pair? Oh, uh, she was an illustrator. I think. No, she gave that up before she, oh, she yeah, gave that I up don't when know she was why pregnant. She was a uh, no, why does she need a fucking no, au pair? I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, what real problems you have. Well, Lucy had does have a real problem later. Right. That turns out to not actually be a problem. Uh, no. Ugh. Well, there's a... We think it's a different problem, but then it turns out to be a less serious problem. But anyway. Just, like, I don't care so, about your au pair. So here's the thing. So a bunch of this friend group, they're all very close close together. They have... One of their friends is Portia, and she's the most beautiful person ever, but mm-hmm. she's also maybe a little bit bitchy, but they it's fine. They love her. Mm-hmm. And then... And we learn pretty soon on that the fact that they love her is why she likes to keep them around. Right. Simon points out, he's like, yeah, we were all a little bit in love with her. That's what she... That's why she loved us. Right. So... Uh, not that I trust Simon all the time. No. She seemed... She reminded me of, um, the friend from the, uh, the, the, the affair book, the straight one where she lives in New York and moves to Atlanta. To Margot. Yeah. She reminded me of Margot, but, like, actually mostly well-intentioned and interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, so, Portia, you know, Portia, like... Within the friend group, all of the men have crushes on her. Uh, one day, like, this new girl comes in and obviously has a crush on one of those guys. Who's Por- had a crush on Portia for years yeah, at this Portia's point. Yeah, Portia's upset that there's no attention brought on her, so she's going to try to fuck that guy. She does that night, and all the rest of the group feels real awkward about the fact that she did that. And they just sort of kind of grow apart from each other, and mm-hmm. then they just don't talk to Portia anymore. Portia does just fine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. She she becomes She's the a writer of a TV show yeah, on the BBC. She becomes a writer, and it's a show they all watch. Right? It's they don't sh- realize it's her show, and then they're like, "Oh shit, those characters are based on us." And they approach her, and she's like, "Everybody says that to me. It's not true. It might be a little bit true, but she's like, no, I didn't base it on anyone.' Right? Ooh. But then, so then they start taking cues from the show, like thinking that Portia's telling the truth about their lives. Also, they're like, okay, this thing happened. We'll find out what's happening in the episode next week. That's not how television works. No. They don't record it every week. Right. She's not writing it. And then they, I mean, unless they are, I then it's like a it's live not, show. It's not a live show. No, no. It's the like BBC, a, like, it they, like a they do all of those, like, type thing. They, they record all of those shows, like, in a summer. And then they yeah. put them out. Yeah. Whatever. I don't oh, know. she's gonna, neighbors. She's, or whatever. Oh, yeah, or like Hollyoaks or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they're, she's going to reveal secrets about the affair in this week's episode because of this thing we saw last week. That's not how TV works. Now, anyway, Whatever. so much, much later, they're older now. Josh, who's the guy that Portia fucked, um, mm-hmm. has married this lovely woman named Lucy, and they've had a baby. Their story about... Oh, also, this book has a shit ton of flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Constantly. But the story about how they met was actually really cute. It was fine. I, which made me want Lucy to be main character. Yeah. Like, the more I read, I was like, why isn't Lucy just a main character? He met her on a, uh, she worked at a chalet and he worked, he went on this ski, ski trip with his like uptown, like, you know, executive friends and the bimbo girlfriends. And he was where, he was there with this girl that he didn't really like. And then everyone made fun of Lucy cause she was bigger. She's a bigger girl. Oh my God. But he fell in love with her and 
It was cute. It was cute. Yeah, it was cute. So Lucy, she wasn't a part of the original friend group, but now she's like real tight with everybody. She's everyone's mom. Lucy reminds our main character, Kath, that uh, her ambition was to always open a bookstore and... Lucy herself has always wanted to open a bakery. Why don't they just like smash those two ideas together? And Kath's like, yeah, fuck yeah. And they do it. And it was an immediate success. Yeah. Like there a was a bookstore fine. cafe, homemade treats. Yeah. Though they mentioned at one point that Lucy's baking everything off site because they would need a, like a, the next grade up of license for her to bake there. And they're like, we don't want to deal with it. So she bakes off site. But if she's there all day, when does she have time to bake all this stuff? I don't know. There's also, there is a kitchen on site too. So I was confused. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure. Who knows? Like how that was working. Anyway, so. Also, sorry, real fast. When they bought the store, the guy who used to own it used to own like, he was this like sort of reclusive older this, man that turned out to be a millionaire one of the or most unnecessary stories in the world i thought it was gonna come up later like it, oh he he owned all of the property and sold it all off except for this one storefront that stayed empty forever and it, it's because he was like in love with he met his wife because she used to work there whatever whatever so i thought it was gonna come up later we never heard it ever again never it was unimportant Ugh. it was a dumb detail as to why the bookstore already looked like a bookstore yeah. Because it was forever ago. Now it's not. And now it's not. Now it's dusty. Anyway, so they go they in. They yellow. Uh, yeah. um, it's like a sunny, buttery yellow on the inside. James is the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. He's immediately attracted to Kath. He looks so uncomfortable in his suit. Uh, Kath is immediately horrific to him. That kind of... <laughs> oh, she was never nice to him until the very end. And mm-hmm. I was like, don't take him... Don't take her back. Like, I was so proud of James after several turndowns and one throw flowers and the door in his face mm-hmm. he finally was like you know what i'm done i'm done because he left a party with someone else and she just assumed that they fucked and didn't ask him about it and just and also it doesn't matter because they weren't dating yet <laughs> yeah they weren't dating yet also we find out that the girl he left with they didn't go home together because that woman's a lesbian they just walked out at the same time they walked out at the same time <laughs> It's the au pair. He leaves yeah. the party with the au pair. Or they, they leave the party at the same time. We found out later the au pair. I don't know if she's a lesbian, but she's dating a woman. Well, so, and specifically, she's dating? She's dating Portia. Portia. So, so, like, who the fuck cares that she left at the same right. time as James? The Whatever. The time we're told that also, Portia she got, is some manipulative bitch. And I have to say, by the time we got to the end of that book, I was like, I have no, absolutely no evidence of Portia being a manipulative bitch except for that one scene. That one scene when, when they were like in college. When they were like maybe 20. Yeah. Ugh. And even she admits, she's like, that was a silly thing I did. Yeah, yes! She's like, obviously I am an adult now. That was a bad decision that I made and I feel silly about it, but moving on. Right. Also, um, Ingrid, the au pair, she gets slut-shamed a lot. Oh, all the time. Because she wears little dresses. They call her a whore to her face. Yeah. She's, like, in her 20s, and she's Swedish, and she's tall and gorgeous. So she's like, I'm going out. I'm living my life. And they're like, do you really need an old... Oh, sorry. Do you really need an old pair who's going out every other night? How is she supposed to stay home and take care of your child? And and then Lucy's like, oh, you can't upset the au pair. Whatever. Well, and all Fuck the time it. they're like, do you really trust Josh alone with this au pair? And I'm like, why would they say that? Yeah. What? That is horrific because lucy's just not pretty oh she's so, so f- obviously what? he's gonna have an affair even though he is 
and you know like fatties don't deserve love he's working late he's at meetings blah 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 but he's obviously so in love with his wife and just so in love with his kid yep and everyone's like he's obviously oh josh and Portia are at a restaurant they're having an affair why yeah what and i do appreciate Portia was (sighs) like oh i totally would have done him if he wanted to i would have been on board with that because uh we're adults. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. And I but heard he didn't he, want to. <laughs> I heard he and Lucy were having trouble. So I figured, why not? I, you know, that's not the best course like, of action for her to take. But she's like, oh, yeah, he didn't want to. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad his marriage is working out. Yeah. Ugh. Like, it's fine. So, in the end, after several, and we're going to get to one of the biggest ones in is a second. Because, yeah, because that one needs its all, all its own discussion. Ugh. So, after several things where we just, we slut shame each other, but then also complain that each other aren't seeing people. We tell each other the most important thing is to see somebody else, but then also slut shame them when they do. Um, after all of this, after terrible things, finally, finally... Kath and James get together and I don't care what happens in the rest of this book. It's not important. Honestly, (laughs) Kathy never learned any lessons. No. She didn't change as a human being. Mm -mm. Nobody else changed as a human being. Mm -mm. Maybe Portia realized that she was bi or maybe she just had sex with the au pair. It doesn't matter. Simon changed as a human being. Simon changes and it would have been great if this was his story. Yes. Uh, I just wanted it to be Lucy and Simon. Yeah. And even sometimes Simon, I was just like, oh, oh my God, girl. if it was Lucy and Simon and they had opened up the bookshop. <gasps> yes. How good would that and have been? And he was like a little less of like a bitchy queen. Right. And Because he, had- he was constantly on Kathy. Just like, well, he was like, your apartment's disgusting, which it was like fair on him. I would have done the same thing. But he's like, honestly, are you even a woman? You don't even care about clothing or hair. Are you even a woman? Right. Please work with me here. I'm just like. Yeah. Calm down. Although, and then she finally does go out shopping without him, and the first person she goes to is a bitchy queen to help her out. Right. Um. Right. <laughs> but he does. Right. You know. Um. But, I mean, I would have really been get the interested. Job I really would have been really interested in a story that was about Lucy having marital problems mm-hmm. and um, trying to refigure her life after, mm-hmm. like, this whole change of having a baby and not knowing who she is anymore. Right. Simon um, contracting AIDS and having to figure that out mm-hmm. and, like, how to be a positive and deal with that and change who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And then them having to deal with this new woman, Portia, who's mm-hmm. trying to break up Lucy's marriage. Yeah. And who's also, like, one of uh, Sai's oldest friends. Like, mm-hmm. that's an interesting story. Right? So, yeah, we let the cat out of the bag. Simon contracts HIV. So we're, like, talking more about HIV. Right. Well, so and now we I want to, like... <sighs> Now I just now I want to just talk about that because I yeah. think we've talked about the book enough. <laughs> but I also want to say like it was so strange that the last two books that we read, mm-hmm. which I expected because it was blood stuff and it was vampires mm-hmm. to ha- to you know the HIV was going to come up. Yeah, I was super surprised that it came up in both the books we read. Today. <laughs> I know it was interesting too because even though both of these books are about bookshops, like 
they give a lot, each of them gives a lot of time to like this very specific social cause that we have to talk about. Right. This book bookends is like, we need to talk about HIV, guys. And then a note in the margins is like, let's talk about homelessness, shall we? Yeah. It's just like, ooh, okay. Well, and I think both of them spend a lot of time in like the te- in testing and in the waiting room and what it's like to wait for that information. Yeah. yeah like yeah, that yeah. was like, and honestly, I, f- I don't know if both books did it well, but I mm-hmm. thought neither of them handled it like a football badly. You know, they didn't fumble it. Yeah. Like both of them really paid a lot of attention to yes. that moment yeah, yeah, in yeah. a fair way. Yeah. And both of them talked about the medical system in a way. It's like, this is the most dire information right now a man can get. And, mm-hmm. Or, you know, anybody. And the medical institutions fumbled the information all the time. Yeah. And I thought that was both, that was very interesting too. Mm -hmm. So it was just so strange to spend all four of these last books thinking about this so much. Yeah. But especially since we've spent the last year reading these books. Yeah. And this is like the first time we've been majorly confronted with it. I'm sure this is the first time we've had somebody be HIV positive. Yeah. Oh, Anyway, so during the course of this book, Sai meets a man who's horrific as a human being. What was his name? Will. Will. Um, and Will is awful. He's terrible. But and, Simon's so desperate for a relationship that he doesn't really realize it. Right, and too much, and and eventually too much of a wimp to even break up with him. Yeah. And then come to find out that Will has infected Simon, mm-hmm. and so. Kath and Simon have to go through the process of uh, Simon finds out that Will Will have contracted the virus and he has to get himself tested mm-hmm. waiting for, going to get tested, waiting for that test, knowing you're positive and going through the steps of what happens next mm-hmm. and that was like an incredible yeah. part of the book and this book was early aughts I think? Yeah I think so Yeah. let me, I can double check that but go ahead so they, they like they, they're they very specifically like, okay, so for a while this was like just a thing that gay guys got, but like anyone can contract HIV. Like this is something that everyone should be concerned about. And um, Kath tells the story about this 2001? girl. 2001? Yeah, 2001. Kath tells the story about this girl that she knew at uni who had gotten it. And everyone's like, oh my God. Like a woman who's like you know, 20. Oh God, it can happen to anyone. So it was, this book was very specifically like everyone, everyone be concerned. Everyone be informed. Everyone be aware. Everyone. So I appreciated that. Yeah. No, I did too. I thought, um, and I really liked that. So I didn't handle this perfectly. Oh no. Like, but also like he wasn't a bad person for, the things he did for pushing, for pushing Kath away when he mm-hmm. needed to, or like, or like asking for extra help, or like, and I really did appreciate. Yes, Kath made it her problem in a way that was uncomfortable. Yeah, but I will say, um, when she did talk about it to James eventually or somebody, they were like, "You need to tell Simon you can't be the only one who's shouldering this burden." Mm-hmm. That like. It's not, of course, Kat's problem, but she does love this person very much. Mm-hmm. And that does make it an emotional burden. Yeah. And that if he's the only one she's 
he's like giving all of his emotions to like that's a lot for one person to carry yeah and that is her problem and i did appreciate that that's how it was presented Mm -hmm. and then even she realized she's not the one who's sick she's not the one who's like who has to deal with this right now and she's trying to remember remind herself of that like don't be like this right now Mm-hmm. You need to be supportive, mm-hmm. but also how hard that was. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciated that. I yeah. thought that was actually really pretty yeah, well I feel this whole, um, the whole storyline of um, Simon finding out that he was HIV positive was actually handled really well up until the very end. The last little bit drove me crazy. But it was like... So uh, I think she ended up telling Portia at one point. So like Portia, Kath, and James. Yeah, and knew. Portia was the one who gave her really good advice. It was it was Portia, not Portia James. Portia gave her really good advice. Um, Again, Portia and they were not based, the horrible person, right? She- and they're like, okay, well, obviously Josh and Lucy need to know, but like that's up to Simon as to how that's gonna right. happen. So they throw this dinner party, and Simon ends up telling them. And at this point, he's already like started going to like the group sessions and the counseling and so he has a, a better idea of what the what this is going to look like for him and so he's able to like be be more upbeat about it and just sort of like you know this is just another part of my life that I have to be on top of so yeah and then of course Lucy's great about it of course because she's amazing Lucy's fucking perfect Josh has a little bit of a meltdown but that's because he's so scared and like he's a straight guy and he doesn't know how to deal with feelings because society doesn't treat men how to deal with their feelings. But he comes around like that evening. Right. But Lu- also for some for a character we talk about so much in this book, like he is given no time with our main characters. So Not like, at all. So we never talk to Josh by himself. Nope. Despite the fact that he is one of their oldest characters. Yeah. We hear every part about Josh's life through Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. that and that made me feel like if it was a reverse sex, like if it was a woman, I'd be like, ooh, we sidelined that lady. Mm-hmm. And I'd definitely feel like, ooh, we... Like, I don't think a white guy, white straight guy needs to be, like, talked to a whole lot, but, I mean, I kind of think we needed some of his perspective. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't, because otherwise we wouldn't have thought that he was having the affair with oh Portia. Oh, my God. Like, and he was so right. He's like, why didn't you guys just talk to me? Yeah, he got real mad at them. He's like, wait, you thought I was having an affair? Why didn't you talk to me about it? And they're yeah. like, oh, we're sorry. Uh. Yeah. And he's like, nah, we're adults. Don't be fucking idiots. Yeah. And they're also, like, Also, if, I, if I was doing that, you should have confronted me. I shouldn't treat a woman like that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't abuse your wives. He's great. Because <laughs> oh, he comes around that, that, that very night. He comes back. And, like, he and Simon have some time alone in the living room while everyone else is cleaning up in the kitchen. And they, like, they cry and hug and, you know. It's all great. Everything's great. Except then when Simon's like, okay, I just need, like, some perspective. So I'm going to go away for a week. He goes to, like, Mallorca or somewhere. And then when he comes back, he met some guy. And they fall in love and they live happily ever after. And I'm like, oh, so the one time that, like, Simon needs to learn to, like live with himself and like make decisions for himself not based on the fact that he wants a relationship that's when he meets somebody and doesn't learn those lessons fine sure yeah. no 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 Ugh. because it's because relationship is reward mhm oh okay yeah not like so because he learned how to live his life being hiv positive he gets to have a boyfriend now oh Sure. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's good. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that's trope. That's trope. 
It's not true. It's trope. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If and when we get merch, it's not true. It's trope. Okay. Are we? We're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Alright. Are you ready? I'm a ready. To fuck, marry, kill. I'm a ready. Do you want to go first? Uh, no, you go first. Okay, Claire. Yes. Fuck, marry, kill. Uh huh. Bookstores. Uh huh. Cafes. Ooh. Living rooms. So many of those things. We spent so many, so many times in those three places. In the, these two books. The <laughs> only thing we're missing from all of these books is like a little bit at a clothing store. And, and a little and, bit and of the, a homeless shelter. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, great. I am going to marry bookstores. Okay. Because forever in my heart. Oh, yeah. Mar- marry your local bookstore. Everybody go Everybody, out. Everybody go marry your local go bookstore. Go marry your local bookstore. Oh. Um, or local library. Hmm. Yes, also okay. I am going to... But there's living rooms and cafes. cafes. Oh, I'm going to kill cafes, mm-hmm. but only because I want to fuck my living room. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to make hard choices. That's yeah. what this is about. Yeah, that, this, these are all three places that I want to be. And the fact that I have to, the fact that I have to kill one of them is very sad. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm going to also kill cafes. Uh-huh. Uh, I love cafes, but... Not as much as. I think I'm going to fuck bookstores. Uh-huh. And I'm going to marry living rooms because I have to wear pants at a bookstore. Yes. Is the yes, thing. Yes, 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 and yes, as yes, much yes. as I love bookstores, more than that, I love being on my couch reading while it's raining. Yes. Under a blanket. Yes. And I, with a big cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that. At a bookstore or a cafe. No, so you're having an open relationship with your living room. Yeah. So you oh, go, yeah. You go and fuck a bookstore and then come right back home. And then come <laughs> right back home. But I, I'm safe and responsible. Oh, good for you. I only bring in books that we'd both love. <laughs> uh, well done. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Um, fuck, Mary kill. Yes. Jamie. Uh-huh. Simon. Uh-huh. Portia. Okay. Um... Mm, I'm gonna kill Simon. Oh, he was fine. Yeah, like I kind of didn't really like him all that much. Like he didn't have a lot of depth until uh, he found out that he was HIV positive, and then all of a sudden he like had emotional maturity and depth. Mm-hmm. He seemed for a lot of the book, he seemed like. The girl best friend who's always unlucky in love. Like, there was almost nothing about him that, like, spoke to him being a gay man other than, like, he was a gay man. And then, of course, in the, you know, the book is so, so specific and makes such a big point of being like, well, anyone can get HIV now. But, of course, the person who does is still a gay man. Right. But also, you didn't believe the whole section where he's called the condom queen of the West End? Uh... (laughs) Actually, that story was really sad. Yeah, he had a the the friend. He had the friend that passed away. No, that was exceedingly because it was sad. it was before. I just didn't believe someone would be nicknamed the Condom Queen. I think he just called himself that. I think that was his nickname for himself. Oh, okay. Which I believed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, and then just like to speak to how terrible that relationship was, he was always safe, and then the will was the the one person to convince him to not work on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, anyway, like he was fine. 
I'd probably I'd probably be friends with him, but I'd only want to see him like every few months. Makes sense. I don't know. Anyway, I'll kill him. Um, I'm going to fuck Portia. Uh huh. Um, and I would hope that a friendship would develop out of that because she was great, but she she didn't. I don't think she has what I need in a relationship, whereas Jamie does. Oh yeah. Jamie's very supportive. Portia seems. Very mature, but not very supportive. Mm-hmm. And I feel that I need somebody who's supportive in my life because I know yeah. myself even a little bit. So I'm going to marry Jamie and fuck Portia and kill Simon. That sounds good. I'll, I'll sad face kill Simon. No, but like uh, Jamie has a bookstore. He seems super emotionally like mm-hmm. on top of it. And yeah. he seems like a pretty good fuck. Yeah. And he... And fun. Um, and yeah, he will yeah, always yeah. share his sandwich with you. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but I found that so adorable. <laughs> um, in the scene where he and John hook up, um, there's there's a moment where in Jamie's head, and it's like, oh, I don't normally am this way in bed, but it seems like John kind of needs it right now, so sure, I'll do it. So he's like, he pays attention to his lovers, which I appreciate. Which is more than John could say. Yep. That gritty fucking top. I don't have time for you. <laughs> anyway, Claire, what about you? Uh, yeah, same. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't have many different things, too. It's like, you know, I think there's a lot of Simon I did like. I did like the closeness of the relationship between the two of them. Yeah. And I would have I would have liked it explored more. Yeah. Like, friendship, friendship-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, really, out of that whole friend group... What made those two the closest? Right. I think that would have been... That's an interesting thing. Like... Yeah. Like, what other problems have they gone through in the 10 plus years of their friendship? Right. It seems sort of like... Kath had the falling out with Portia and Josh got married to Lucy. So they're like, oh, we're both unattached, so we'll just become best friends, but then still like still hang out and love Josh. Right. Kind of thing. And like, that's fine. Right, I but there's guess, reasons but like you stick together. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I would have liked to have known those. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, in the books? Uh, do you want to do books or people? Um, both. Okay. Um, out of everyone, I would fuck Jamie. I would marry Lucy. <laughs> she was great. She was a fantastic cook. She was emotionally supportive. Sometimes she was just like, her her dialogue was just like a little bit too bubbly. That whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm having this problem, she's like, oh, Kath, my darling, everything will work out perfectly. I'm just like, okay, tone it down just a little bit, Lucy. <laughs> like, I'll, just let me be frustrated right now, yeah, and then I'll be over she it. She was kind of also thing. like perfectly happy to go into the slut shaming of her au pair. Yeah. Also, I can't provide her an au pair, so I hope she can get over that. <laughs> Ugh. And the kid seemed horrible too. He'd go um, off to boarding school. Yeah, well, it was seen through the eyes of Kath, who, um, like, I, I, I felt like that was a perfectly normal child. Like, well, there was a moment that, like, she was left alone with him, or like the first time they handed him to her when he was first born, and she's like, I don't know what to do with kids. I can relate to that. Yeah. So I was handed a, a, a very young child once, and I some just like thrust it upon me. I don't know what to do with this thing. I don't want to be touching it. I why why is this here? I'm technically related to yeah, it, but I'm just but like, that's oh, not God. the baby's fault. No. no, like like she was like, this baby hates me because it's crying. It's like, fine, whatever. Well, but also he was old enough. Didn't he like pour chocolate all over her or something? He had chocolate and, like, on his hands. Yeah, but he like. 
touched looked at her and just like rubbed it down her sweater or whatever. Yeah, that was like the one bad thing he did the whole book. This is why I don't want to be around kids. <laughs> They're sticky and gross. Yeah, that's And fair. I don't like it. And that's I hate fair. stains. I just wish she could have just hated kids instead of just this one. It'd be, I just, like, fair to hate all children. It's okay. Okay. But she's a lady, so that's not possible. Whatever. It was so Mary Lucy. Uh, and then, I was going to kill Portia, but I've changed my mind completely about her since having these conversations. Um, so I think I'm just going to kill John. Oh, that's fine. He was fine by the end, though, so I still feel bad about that. I don't know. Um, he seemed like a prick. No, who do I want to... Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just kill John. Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. No, it, that totally makes sense. Uh, I think I'm going to kill Will, because he was the worst. He was the worst. I'm also going to I'm changing mine to Will. Yeah. I forgot about him, because I didn't write him down. He was the worst. He was the worst. Will was he the was worst. He in was invited to a dinner party, made fun of the hosts, and their food that they gave him, that they served to him, yeah. and then was confused when he got asked to leave. Yeah, he's like he didn't even just make fun of the food. He stopped eating it and refused to eat any more, and then told them it was disgusting. Yeah, they're like, "This is in it." He says, "Inedible would be the nicest thing I could say." Right, and then later Portia, who was also there, was like, "Oh, he's terribly insecure." Like, despite his accent, he's from like York. <laughs> and he's super insecure about his upbringing and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I guess. But that doesn't excuse him being a dick. And Portia's like, no, I know. I'm just telling you this is what I'm observing. Yeah. She was vi- she understood people very well, too. She Portia really did. did. She really did. Okay. Uh, which makes me want to... Um, fuck her? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Portia. She seemed like fun. She knew what she was about. She, she was her can, own person. She can keep up she with was, a 22-year-old Swede, so... Yeah, she was a little hurt when her friends contacted her and then blocked her out again. And yeah. she was like, what are you guys doing to me? Like, why would you contact me and then not want to talk to me anymore? I thought we were opening up a new window. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just here to be used by you? I really don't know what's going on here. Uh, like, she was utterly confused. Was... And I appreciated that about yeah. her. And then she's like, oh, I'm just going to fuck this guy I always wanted to fuck. So I have no actual emotional attachment yeah, to yeah, any so, of you, so oh, I don't no, I'm not worried about that. He doesn't want it. It's fine. I'll fuck his au pair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went over to go to go seduce this guy, but I guess I'll fuck the 22 year old Swede. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd fuck her, and Great. I would also marry Lucy. Yeah, oh, Lucy was the best. She was delightful. This book should have been about her. It really should have. Like, if this was like a re-fall in love with your husband book, mm-hmm. like second chance romance mm-hmm. with the person you're already married to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. delightful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyway. Uh, and the books? Um, I'm going to kill both of them. That's fair. I think like there was a lot in... It's possible if I were in a different mindset, I would have liked bookends more... If I knew, like, if I wasn't reading for romance, but... If you made better decisions. Honestly, I'm like... Just kidding. I just didn't like the main character at all. Yeah, she was um, And the other book, I felt like it was homelessness tourism. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know... And I've... But done badly? Yeah. And I felt like, oh, no, John, it's really not okay to bring a guy into your home like this. And then to fuck yeah. him. Like, yeah. you are putting this man through emotional turmoil. Right. This is very selfish of you. And then to start a, a relationship with him in which he's dependent on you for everything. Yeah. This is 
very selfish yeah. and could hurt him more in the long run than it'll ever hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I can't remember if they brought it up, but it's like, oh, what happens if you break up? Well, John is hurt and then gets over it. David is homeless again. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so I, I just felt like it, the balance of power in that relationship was so unequal and so little paid attention to. Mm-hmm. That and nobody even suggested to David once that he go get a job somewhere else. Right. And I don't think he would have. I don't believe that his character would have. No. Because he's, you know, he's about cert- only certain places feel safe to him. But nobody even thought to be like, oh, hey, maybe you should go work part-time somewhere to make some of your own but money. But which just means, makes his dependency all the more, like, yeah. stand out. And it's like, then just put a moratorium on the sex for a while until you guys have figured it out. Because, Ugh. like, make sure he goes into a separate room. Like, mm-hmm. this is not healthy or safe mm-hmm. for either of you. Yeah. But mostly for him. Yeah. Anyway, that was yeah. my feelings. Um, I would also kill a note in the margins. I think I'm going to kill bookends. I just wish it were about Lucy and Cy. I thought if it was Lucy and Cy, it would have been a really cool book. Also, the the bookstore is a thing. Like, the, the bookstore is how she meets James. And sort of why... Josh might want to have an affair. And that's about it. I really wish... It just stops existing The first thing that happened is that she was quitting her job because they were opening a bookstore. Right. Also, she was like, oh, I'm concerned I might lose all my money, but it works out fine. Oh, yeah, no. Like, Kath doesn't have any... There, there are no actual stakes to anything that she does. I did appreciate that running that bookstore was not easy. Right. Though they had two employees. How did they afford two employees? Who didn't seem to need to do anything. No. Like, on the first day, it's like, okay, Lucy's in the cafe. Kath is at the front counter. One of them is in the stock room, and the other one's just, like, wandering around, straightening up books. I'm like, no, it didn't seem like a very big space to me. It's like, you probably could have gotten... Well, they, they liked... The guy that they hired, because he used to work at the big bookstore down the street. Right. So they're like, oh, he kind of knows. So just hire him. You just need one extra person, <laughs> essentially. You just need to know someone who has experience being on the floor of a bookstore. And yep. like to help you lift heavy boxes when you need help lifting heavy boxes. Whatever. They stopped existing, too. Yeah. Those two employees. Well, they barely exist before. They only existed so that Lucy th- could call out to be with Simon when he was getting tested. Yeah, and every once in a while, one of them would say something, and I'd go, who's this, and why are they here? Who are oh, you? right, they work at that bookstore. Oh, like, yeah. all the time, I'd forget, Who, who's this ghostly embodiment that just <laughs> appeared? Oh. Anyway. Who's Judy, or whatever her name was. Neil. Yes. What are we reading next? Well, uh... Let's see. It's you're. I honestly believe you're not going to be able to guess the theme. <gasps> but is it time for our favorite game? It's time for our favorite game. Christine, Christine guess. guess. <gasps> yeah, we did it. Finally. Okay. So the two books are Crashing into Tess, McGreer's Number One by Lily Christine, and Only See You, Only Colorado Book Two by J.D. Chambers. Car accidents. <laughs> I wish it's not car accidents. So, crashing into Tess Mm -hmm. and only see you. Correct. 
But like that, one of them is like a Colorado book. Except. One of them takes place in Colorado. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's oh my not- god, the, the the romance that you find at the DMV. Yeah. Good lord, <laughs> you always suggest the most unsexy things. <laughs> the DMV, the the what's the skin doctor, dermatologist. <laughs> Oof. Maybe just more things need to be sexy. Okay. The garden section at Home Depot. Now come on, <laughs> that is already sexy. Uh, sure. I shouldn't be trusted with anything living, so. Universities. No. Um, skiing. No. You said Colorado, right? Yeah. Oh, you crashed into Tess while you're skiing. <laughs> That's a good guess, but no. Um, okay, I'm going to do one more guess. Okay. And it's going to be skydiving. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. Look, if I was going to guess, guess, I thought Megan Big. That's a good one, though. Uh, no, the theme is divorcees. Ooh. One of the lovers in each of these has gone through a divorce. <gasps> and one of them also has a kid. I don't know if the other one does. Divorces. Yeah. Well, I wonder what the secret theme will be since the secret theme was HIV. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. What will the secret theme be? Um, maybe it'll be car accidents. Pink guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my sexy pink guy. Oh my God. If we could guess like, okay, divorcees, secret theme, things that are going to be the same, 100% real estate. Mm, um, I'm going to guess the secret theme is takeout food. Ooh. I think there's going to be a lot of takeout food. Yeah, there's probably going to be... Like, that one's hard, though. There's so many takeout foods in so many books. Well, yeah, that's more likely <laughs> for me to be right. <laughs> Playing the odds, man. Yeah. Playing the odds. Yeah. All right. Okay, so there's that. Well, then I guess the only thing left for us to do is to say thank you, Neil. Thank you, Claire. And thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thanks, Christine. We appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. Uh, We appreciate all of the work, and we are excited to be able to allow to have it. Yes. Um, And thank you, listeners. Thanks so much, listeners. Please tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Tell your divorcees. <laughs> tell your social workers that you know. Tell everyone. Tell everyone. Rate and review us and subscribe on all of the platforms where you can do those three things. Uh, sign up your friends. Sign up your enemies. <laughs> Love it. And uh, yeah, until next time then. Until next time. Farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye.